Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes or so long each day, but that gets us into God's Word, and that's critical for the strength and the growing stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. You know people in your life who need stronger faith, don't you? Who need to start thinking about their soul salvation, their relationship with God? Sure you do. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every single day. Your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing today and every day because you may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. And that'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment today and every day and start sharing with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, talking about seven avenues of attack the devil uses on our faithfulness, trying to pull us away from faithfulness to God, from obedience, from commitment, to de- from dedication, He is like that roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's our enemy, our gravest, most deadly, and most hateful enemy. He hates us, and he wants to bring us to eternal destruction in hell. Now, Peter says, after identifying him as that roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour, he says, resist him steadfast in the faith. We must stay faithful because that is to our spiritual and eternal well-being. If we want to be with God in heaven for all of eternity, then we must live the life of faithfulness before him while we're still here upon this earth. The devil's skillful. He knows how to hit us. He knows where our weaknesses are, and he will hammer us in those weak areas. We need to know where our weaknesses are so that we can be on guard against all of his attacks. Well, seven attacks. And as I've said, I'm sure you can come up with more, but these are seven basic ones that we can all relate to and say, yep, yep, that's right. And probably most of us have experienced the devil attacking us in these various areas at one time or another, or at least in a number of these areas. What's the first attack? Temptation. The devil is masterful at challenging our faithfulness through seemingly attractive temptations to sin. Second, worldliness. The allure of worldly living confronts us every day, almost at every turn. The third one, a moral lapse. We find ourselves sometimes weak morally, and we give in to a temptation to commit an immoral act. But we need to recognize those dangers and try to stand firm against them. And if we find ourselves having made a mistake morally, we need to take that to God, admit it, confess it, and ask his forgiveness so that we can heal and that we can make things right. Doubt is another one we looked at. The devil is skillful at planting doubts in our mind about our faith or our ability to stay faithful. And doubting can weaken faith and lead to unfaithfulness. Now let's look at another 
avenue of attack the devil uses against our faithfulness. Missing worship and Bible classes with the church. Saying, oh, I believe in God. I've got faith in God. I've got faith in Christ, but I don't need the church. I don't need organized religion. Really? Why did God send Jesus to this earth to establish the church if you don't need it? You don't need what God sent his son to establish on this earth, the church? You see, the devil's, he's, he's got your thinking all bumfuddled. You're, you're thinking not clearly about this. You think it makes sense to you. It makes no sense when you look at what God's word says. The church is here for a reason. It is for our good. And it is also for us to find that relationship in the body of believers that we call Christians. The church is not just some organized or some organization that without identity, without personal relationship. The church is the family of God. It is the body of Christ. Think about how Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. If I am delayed, he says, I write so that you may know how, to, how, how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Do you think you don't need to be a part of the house of God? Do you think you don't need to be a part of God's family, which is the church? Romans chapter 8, Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 6. You think you don't need to be a part of his family, a son or daughter of his in that spiritual sense? Of course you need the church. But the devil is skillful. He's skillful in, in convincing us that we don't need to really be a part of the church, or if we have said, no, I need to be a part of the church, well, you don't really need to be purposeful. You don't need to really be dedicated, committed. You don't need to be with the church all the time. You don't need to be in all those church services and all of that. Careless and purposeful forsaking of the assemblies with the church can lead to spiritual weakness and callousness. Now, look at what the Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 23. Note the emphasis on faithfulness, on spiritual strength, and upon the interdependence we have on our fellow Christians and they on us to help us to stay strong and even grow in our faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Okay, so I need to know how can I hold fast to my confession of hope? That is my confession in Christ as my Savior, my hope in him for eternal life. And we're not talking about a wild wish or an unrealistic dream. We're talking about a hope that God offers us that is absolutely guaranteed and that we can look forward to with confident expectation of fulfillment. How can I hold fast to that confession? How can I hold fast to that hope? And then in verse 24, he goes on and says, and let us consider one another 
in order to stir up love and good works. Well, how can I stir up my brothers and sisters in Christ in love for God, in love for each other? And how can I stir them up and encourage them in good works if I'm not there with them in their presence? So how can I stay strong in the faith? How can I grow in my faithfulness? How can I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ in their faithfulness, in their strength and faith, and how can they strengthen me? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ as we come together and worship God together and study his word. I need to be strengthened by their faith, and I need to strengthen them through my faith. Now, but if I'm not going to be with the church as the church comes together, how can I do that? How can I receive that strength? But the devil will make us think, "Ah, you don't need to be there all the time. You don't need to be there consistently. You don't really need to be there much at all. Yes, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The church assembles, the church comes together to worship God, to study his word, to glorify him as the church. I need to be there with the church. I need to be in communion, in fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be in their presence. They need to be in my presence. But the devil will attack us in that way, thinking, trying to guide us to think, I don't really need to be there. I want us to look at one more just by way of beginning to consider it today. And that's the avenue of attack of persecution. Persecution. The temptation is great to give up faithfulness in the face of persecution. The devil will guide us to be persecuted if that will help us, well, if that will effect within us our turning away from faithfulness. Think about the terrible persecution the devil instigated against the church in the first 250 or so years of its existence on this earth at the hands of the Roman Empire. The Roman emperors did not understand Christianity. The Roman emperors declared themselves to be gods, and images were fashioned in their likeness, and their subjects were supposed to kneel to those images and worship them as gods, the images of the emperors. Faithful Christians said, no, can't do that. We understand that those images are just idols. They're just objects. They're not gods. The emperors, they're simply human beings. Now, we may respect them as our leaders in government, but they're, they're not gods. They're not to be worshipped. And so the Roman government persecuted the church severely. They did. They did. 
They would throw Christians in the arena to fight gladiators or wild animals, and they'd cheer as they would be torn apart or killed by the gladiators. They would arrest them, execute them, crucify them, to try to intimidate them and compel them to deny their faith. And many Christians gave in. But a huge number refused, even being faithful until death. They stayed faithful to God and to Christ, and Christianity spread and grew. We'll look at this a little more in depth next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for promising us to be with us as long as we always walk with you in faithfulness and help us to take that to heart and help the people all over the world who need to learn that lesson to learn it and come to you, Father. We pray. We pray for our souls and we pray for other souls, Father. Please forgive us and hear a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.